What number is this, Chip? Episode 94. Emily Dolans drops by the Zilch headquarters. We visit with The Monkey's Head and 60s author Peter Mills. And Monkey's News and more. Always more. <laughs> okay, not mean like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I say. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. back to your podcast full of monkeys i'm one of your hosts ken mills here today and today i'm joined by christine carlson wolf hi everybody good to see you and it's always a great day in the world of the monkeys there's a lot of things happening today on zilch emily dolans will be dropping by and we got to sit down with her and it's an excellent interview wouldn't you say christine it is she's very interesting and i enjoyed talking to her a lot Agreed. And later, Peter Mills will be dropping by. He's the author of The Monkey's Head and the 60s, and he'll be talking about some interesting conversations he's been having as of late. That's right. <laughs> but before we get to all of that, let's check out some Monkey's News. A lot of cool stuff going on, huh, Christine? There is. I'm always pleasantly surprised that there never seems to be an end to Monkey's News. Exactly. And I guess we'll kick this one off with something that pops, or sodas, depending on which region of the country you live in. Sharp-eyed <laughs> Zilch and Podkiss listener Joseph Ciambelli spotted a Monkey's-themed soda called Monkey's mm. Banana Nut Soda. Whoa. And he sent me a picture of it, and I picked up the Zilch hotline to ring Rhino HQ to confirm that it was real. And Super Monkey's fan... John Hughes replied, indeed. I also contacted representatives from the company Rocket Fizz and asked them about this product. They wrote back, hi Ken, thanks for contacting us. The Monkey's Soda is banana nut flavor. Which sounds very interesting. Monkey's banana nut flavor. And will be available in all Rocket Fizz stores in about two weeks. If you have any other questions, let us know. Thanks. Now, I did some digging into what they do, and these, these folks have done many bands and brands. Like, for example, they, they have the rock group Kiss. They, they have a flavor out, and they're working on developing a second one. There's also Jimi Hendrix, Richie Valens, and Mighty Mouse, and so many more. I mean, it, this is a pretty cool thing. I never even realized. That's, that is pretty awesome. And Banana Nut, who doesn't love that combo? That's great. Mm -hmm. So, Christine, what can you tell us about Rocket Fist? Well, so, yeah, I did some digging, too, when I found out about this, and Rocket Fizz is this cool place in Ankeny, Iowa, kind of outside of the Des Moines area. They say that they have the largest selection of candy and soda ever found in one store. Hundreds of sodas from microbreweries all over the world, and almost every candy ever made. Now, this sounds like I could do some damage in this place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the, the owner of Rocket Fizz is telling everybody that the 
monkey's banana nut soda rates in his top three of all the 500 different flavors of soda that they stock that's pretty high praise yeah absolutely that, that's nuts that's bananas yeah that's that's, that's monkeys monkeys banana nuts <laughs> You can find them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash IA or on the web at rocketfizz.com. Have you been to the site? It, it basically looks like a candy store exploded. I know, it did. I did go. Yeah, it, it's, it's very cool. It's kind of got retro tchotchke type decor and wall to wall candy and soda and just sugar buzz for days Mm -hmm. and i saw that they have adam ant wacky wobblers you know those things that you push the bottom and they'd like crumple up and then you and then the string would pull them back up i i actually might have to mail order one of these things now (laughs) a lot of people might say why would i want a monkey soda and you know maybe it's not for you maybe it is but i can tell you this on the kiss side of things these things are going for top dollar among yeah, some are. KISS fans. There's some KISS fans that don't care about it at all and some that are crazy about it. If you are a monkeys collector, you're probably going to want to get a case of this, one to drink and one to hide away. So That's right. check out rocketfizz.com. We will give you more news as we get it. As fate would have it, Ken, just as we are recording this, Jason Pham posted on the Zilch Facebook page, I was just in the local Rocket Fizz candy and soda shop and ordered a case of the Monkey's Banana Nut Soda coming out in a couple of weeks. A case of 24 bottles is $39.99, and they will also be selling individual bottles. Wow. And he says the image on the bottle is from Daydream Believer in the Rainbow Room. Excellent. Yeah. And in other cool Monkey's toys, what do you have for us about the Titan vinyl figures, Christine? Well, so, yeah, there is a company called Titan Merchandise. They have teamed up with Rhino, and they have released five four-and-a-half-inch Titans vinyl figures featuring the versions of Davey, Mickey, Peter, and Mike, and their super iconic monkey mobile. Mm -hmm. I know, that's pretty cool. Each monkey figure is individually window boxed, and the four boys are presented in their classic season one red tunics. Each member of the band comes with an accompanying musical instrument accessory, maracas for Davy, of course, drumsticks for Mickey, a bass guitar for Peter, and a 12-string for Mike. They are huge monkey fans over at Titan, and this project has been a huge labor of love for all of them. Vinyl never looked so groovy. So order yours today from www.entertainmentearth.com. Yeah, I, you know, f- so they're only four and four and a half inches, right? That's right. I so guess. life size for Davy. Yeah, so Davy would say, "I am standing <laughs> up." So you must be joking. There you go. And I understand Mike has something really cool going on for folks who want a copy of Infinite Tuesday. You can get it mm-hmm. autographed and. The, the hardback edition, right? Right, autographed and personalized for no extra charge through the Video Ranch site. Um, you can go to videoranch3d.com 
and go to their uh, their store section and in the requests for personalization field on the page you can just tell them what you you know fill in your name and um, what other message you might want Mike to sign and he will do it and no extra charge for that personalization that is excellent and the first 50 customers who bundle the infinite Tuesday book the vinyl and the CD in one order will get a free movies of the mind tote bag so you can get all that stuff and carry it around in the tote bag right that's right that's cool perfect and all infinite Tuesday items come signed and have an option for personalization so go to videoranch3d.com to order yours today we will have links in the show notes and of course we want to remind you about Mickey Dolan's right Absolutely. So Mickey is like the Energizer Bunny. He's still going on and going strong, doing tours and dates around the country. It seems pretty much wherever Mickey is, there is a private meet and greet opportunity as well. If you haven't had a chance to fulfill your wish of attending one of these parties, this is your last chance because the last nine meet and greets scheduled for 2017 are filling up right now and for every ticket sold to one of the meet and greets a part of the proceeds go to mickey's favorite charity make a wish so you can get a wish and you can help make a wish and you can find out all the dates and ticket information at monkeymeetandgreets.com and we will have that link in the show notes as well so, East and West Coast, here he comes. Here I come, Mickey. walking down the street. Mickey. I get the funniest looks from all the people I meet. Mickey. Hi, I'm a monkey. Mickey. I love that clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you too. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you can see Mickey Dolan's also on the 50 Summers of Love Tour with Mark Lindsay from Paul Revere and the Raiders and the Fab Four, and hopefully we'll be having some people from from that tour drop on by. That's going to be exciting. That's awesome. Keep our monkeys' fingers crossed. Those dates are kicking off real close here on July 14 out in California, and I know that I am sending buttons hither and yon, so at uh, all the various... 50 Summers of Love shows, look for Zilch Buttons and Mickey's Buttons because they will be there. Celebrate the anniversary of the Summer of Love with Mickey Dolenz from the Monkees, Mark Lindsay, former lead singer of Paul Revere and the Raiders, and the Fab Four.
see the 50 Summers of Love Tour coming your way. And it's time to jump into the monkey's mailbag. Ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. P.O. Box 9847. It's always great checking out the feedback that we get from our listeners and friends out there. We got one from a lady named Marnie. She writes, Hi, Ken and the gang. I really appreciate the Zilch podcast you and the gang put together for us fans. My own quote about how awesome your show is, is, quote, Listening to your podcast is akin to reading a new glossy monkeys magazine with loads of unseen pictures, unquote. Oh, that's I, awesome. Yeah, it is. I hope you're enjoying your summer and take good care. Marnie. Thank you, Marnie. We really appreciate hearing from you and letting us know that you're out there listening. It, seriously, it, it, it means a lot to all of us on staff. It, mm-hmm. it was fantastic. Okay. There's also another way you can get in touch with us and leave a message for us to put here on the air, and that's by leaving a review on iTunes. And if you do that, if you are an iTunes user and you do that, we will read your feedback. But not only that, it helps us. iTunes will promote us a little bit more every time we get a review. So please give mm-hmm. us a review, and we have one here, right, Christine? Yeah. A user by the name of Longlegs575 recently gave us a five-star review by saying, This group always finds something new to talk about. Very entertaining. I had no idea so many other monkey fans were out there. Oh, we're out there. Yes, we are. And it's it's very cool to hear from you, Longlegs575. Thank you for leaving us a review on iTunes. And it was a five-star review on top of it. Thank you so much. So please, if you can, help us out. Go over there and leave a, a five-star review. You can leave a one-star review, but we'd prefer a five-one. So let the world know about Zilch on the iTunes platform. Thank you so much. And now joining us on the show is Emily Dolans. And this is a really interesting interview and it, you know you kind of really get to know her and what she's about and what her artwork as far as her photography is all about so as I do when I interview people sometimes I ask them what kind of music or favorite song they'd like us to play as part of the music going in and out of segments and she mentioned that she really enjoyed Ava Cassidy's work and I'm using her version of Over the Rainbow So if you are interested in knowing who that is or what that is, we ask you to check out Ava Cassidy and her work. You can find it on Amazon, iTunes, or at a local music store. Check it out. So here's Emily Dolans. Hi, it's Emily Dolans, and you're listening to Zilch, a Monkey's Podcast. And 
today on Zilch, we are blessed to have somebody whose father, he's, he's really a monkey for all intents and purposes. The wonderful Emily Dolans joins us today. Welcome to the show, Emily. Hi, how are you? Doing very well. Christine and I, we are so glad to talk to you. We are glad that you are here. And we know that you have some events coming up, and we'd like to let people know about your upcoming events and where they can get a hold of you. Oh, okay. Well, the main event I have coming up here in Maryland is I have a gallery show in Rockville, Maryland. It's at the Artist Studios, and it's about my disability. It's called A Right Way to Live, A Story of Acceptance and Disability. And it's going to be my self-portrait photography and my explanation behind them of what it really meant to be somebody with a disability and how I've come to kind of accept it as my, in my own way as well as an artist. And if you do want to know more about that, my Facebook page is where you'd come and communicate with me. And that's the e- Emily Dolan's Photography page on Facebook. That's the main gallery event I have. And I also have my Etsy store, which is E. Dolan's Photos at, uh, on the Etsy page. Mm-hmm. Those are the main places to find my work. Oh, and sorry, and also Society6, which is on Society6. You just go there and put in E. Dolan's. And you'll find my store there where you can buy my photographs on products like handbags and purses. Mugs. Um, which, mugs, travel mugs, shower curtains. It's, you know, it's, I sell it all now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, those products are really high quality and they make for some very lovely gifts, especially for different types of people. I think those are lovely little um, presents for people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are honored to have you here today, and I'm pretty sure that anyone that's listening to this podcast will know you as one of Mickey Dolan's daughters. What they may not know is that you've been building a name for yourself as an artist. Tell us a bit more about growing up with a famous parent who has had many diverse creative interests and how that infused your own creative drive. Oh, well, absolutely. Um, well, I do think that the best way to describe how it was to grow up with my dad being a famous singer was the first thing I always say is I didn't know any different. So for me, mm-hmm. I can't really describe my childhood any way like differently because I, that's all I knew. So I can only do it from the retrospective or now as an adult, I know it was different. So it was a very different childhood. Obviously we were going on tour and tour buses and backstage that was my summers. That was my childhood. At three years old, I spent a year basically on tour with my dad. Mm-hmm. So it was a very special, now I know, a very unique childhood. I didn't back then. But as his creativity part and his diverse interests and how they affected me was that my dad was always very creative in any way. He had a wood shop. He would cook. He's gardener. He always made art a part of his life. And he always taught me that art is not something you kind of do, it's something you are. And Mm. I truly feel that way. I mean, I don't feel I do my photography just because it's something fun on the weekends to do. I really feel it's a part of who I am as a person. And I only realized that's what my dad really kind of meant by that when I started becoming a photographer. I think my dad is very good at what his job is, but even if he wasn't in the monkeys, I think he would find some way to be creative because I think it's in his blood like it is mine. It's, it's something kind of how maybe a doctor grows up knowing they're always a doctor or an engineer always 
knows they're going to be kind of working with their hands in an engineer type way. But he definitely helped me know how to kind of do the show business part of it. There's a part where you're creative. There's a part where you have to be a business person and also to be open to all different ways of being an artist, not just singing. My dad, you know, my dad does writing. He does this. He cooks. He cleans, you know, um, not quite cleans, but <laughs> he cooks <laughs> and um, gardens and taught me how to be an artist in many facets of my life, I guess. Trust me, there is an art to cleaning. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think so, too. Everything has to be in an exact particular way. (laughs) Because there's so many people that don't do it. So it must be a very select skill at times. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Emily, I would say that it's pretty obvious that you have a talent and an eye for visual art, being a photographer, Mm -hmm. But I'm curious if you feel like you have any musical talents. Nope. <laughs> End of the comment. Nope. That's zero. You do not want to hear me sing, da- sing dance or do any of that stuff. Um, I absolutely have zero musical talents. Um, one of the reasons I think I don't have the musical, like playing instruments, mm-hmm. is because of my disability. I mean, you know, there was some struggles, you know, trying to learn an, uh, learn an instrument where... You're trying to use two hands, and I was kind of a little bit restricted by that. But also, I can't hold a tune. I can't. That was not passed down by my dad. Skipped a generation or something. Mm-hmm. So, I have interest in music, but yes, I'm definitely much more inclined to do the visual arts than anything musical. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have uh, any favorite bands or musicians that come to mind? Oh, absolutely. I love the singer-songwritery kind of gentler music, I should say, unless I'm in a particular mood. I love like Nora Jones, Jack Johnson, Eva Casti, the kind of the solo guitarists, the kind of acoustic guitar type music. Because I really like to hear the lyrics and the storytelling and probably because I'm quite, I like poetry and everything. I think I really like the stories that are told through music rather than just the kind of background, if that makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. Oftentimes, I want to see the lyrics and almost read a song as if it is a poem. I get a deeper appreciation for it. And a song where I can clearly make them out and the music is enhancing that, that's some of my favorite as well. And I think the, the way I use music to kind of inspire maybe art pieces or how I'm feeling. So I feel that although I do like the storytelling, if I'm in an angry mood I listen to kind of more but more rocky type music I guess and then if I'm feeling sad I you know the slower music so to me it's definitely about the lyrics and definitely about the sound of it but as as we all know that music can do uh, portray memories as, as well I kind of I like the slower music because it really does get like you said creates a picture in your mind of mm-hmm. the story being told I really like that mm-hmm. absolutely Emily, one of the things I'd like to talk to you about is you mentioned your disability. For those who may not be aware of your disability, would you like to discuss that? Sure. I have. I was born with right side hemiplegia, which is a form of cerebral palsy. It is pretty mild case, so it doesn't affect me too much, I guess. Um, and I was definitely put into like exercise. Um, I would like to call them as regimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> an exercise regime when I was young. Um, involving like casts on my foot and everything to make sure I, my bones grew straight. So it does affect me as an adult because 
down to holding my camera or just feeling okay in like a pair of high heels. Mm -hmm. But that's, and we'll get to it, I guess, in a few minutes. But most of my art now and most of what I'm doing right now is more focused on blending my story with my disability into my art mm -hmm. because I have found that actually adding that element into my art is a stronger sentiment than just trying to ignore that I have it, which is what I spent most of my life doing, is trying to forget that I have cerebral palsy. And it is a big part of my life. So therefore, I think opening up and blending it into my story actually is enhancing my art and enhancing the interest in my art and separating also myself from my dad a little bit and having some uniqueness to my art um, by having the disability, I guess. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good segue. You, you call yourself an inspirational artist and uh, talk a little bit about what that means to you and what you're hoping to inspire in others. Well, absolutely. I, I like the fact that I named myself that. It was quite cunning. I, I like that too. <laughs> I think I'll be an inspirational artist. That's what I'm going to call myself. No, I, I came up with that because I really, I really feel that I have this photography and the canvas art piece, and I have been doing a lot of poetry. And then there was a disability element that kind of folded in very recently, actually. And I came to kind of this conclusion that really I'm... I really do want to inspire people to follow their own dreams too. It's not just about selling my art. I really want my art to tell somebody something or to remind them in the morning when they look at a page or sorry, piece of art that, oh wow, Emily's story was something and you know, inspired me to do something. So I'm gonna look at this photo on my wall now and now I'm gonna go out and read my book or do something with my children or lose a bit of weight or anything they're going towards in their life, I want to kind of inspire them to go do it. I want to be very careful though when I talk about the inspirational part because I don't think I want to be an inspiration or I don't think I am an inspiration just because I have a disability and I manage to get out of bed in the morning. I think that's quite actually sometimes insulting to people with disabilities that we are just seen as kind of ways to make you feel better if you don't have a disability. But what I feel like I can give is the fact that I do acknowledge my limitations and I don't let them stop me. So that's the part that you need to be inspired by. It's not that I have a disability. It's the fact that I don't let it get in my way. So whether you are losing weight or you don't have a boyfriend yet or you lose your job or whatever, anything that we have in our way we have to work around because there isn't really any other option. Right. So that's why I think it's working for people, hopefully. That's what I would hope to give to people. It isn't that you can't feel inspired by me because you don't have a disability. It's be inspired by me because I don't let my, any limitation really stop me. I might have to change my path a little bit. I might have to kind of take a detour and maybe use something to help me do something. But at the end of the day, if I set out to try and do something for myself, I do it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want with my art. I want to show the world that I use one hand to use a camera, but I still do photography. Mm -hmm. If I set out and said, hey, own photographers use two hands. Oh, well, can't be a photographer then. Then what? You just sit in your house and cry for the rest of your life? Like, right. I, 
I don't let that happen. I just say, oh, well, okay, let's ha figure out how I can use my camera my way. So, yeah, that's, that's what I really would gain, well, hope to gain from this, is that I can reach more and more people and tell them that I, there is a way to kind of reach your goals and dreams your way, your own individual way. Excellent. To that end, you've started a blog recently, haven't you? Yes. Tell us some of the things that you're blogging about. Kind of the much the same of the things. The, the, um, the main sentiment of it was to share my disability. And the blog is I, technically where the whole show stemmed from and how this all happened was I decided to start the blog to see where it would take me. I just was like, might as well. <laughs> and I had a moment to myself where I decided that I wanted to kind of share a little bit about my disability. And I just started writing. I just started just kind of venting it out of myself. And so the majority of the blog is about my disability and how I don't let it affect me. And then also some of the posts are about how it does affect me, but then how do I get over that? So also one of my biggest points about through my blog is that you don't, it's not to say you don't cry yourself to sleep one night when you're just at despair and you haven't reached your goals or something's holding you back or in my case I haven't done my exercises so my hand gets tangled in my hair and it's really annoying me mm -hmm. it's not that we just go oh that'll never happen again and you can't ever have a bad day it's here's a story of me having a bad day now I'm going to tell you how I got out of it because if you're having a bad day you might need to hear how somebody else you know got out of their bad way and got back onto the path of starting again. So again, I'm just trying to share my stories and just trying to share how I manage through my life. And it was funny to me that the posts on my blog that I focused more on my disability rather than my art actually got much more traction, I should say, than just straight on my art. And I think people share way too much information nowadays mm -hmm. and most of the sharing is about how happy and brilliant life is and oh my i have everything and isn't it fantastic all the time and i think being honest and saying actually today we kind of sucked and i you know couldn't put clothes on because my right arm decided to take the day off and um didn't want to cooperate i think people are responding to the fact that I go through that. And as to your part, Ken, being my dad's daughter, I think a lot of people that initially found out about who I am, an artist, mm -hmm. have the, you know, they do, we all have this picture of celebrities and it's all very lovely and mm -hmm. isn't that special. And I think people have really responded to the fact that, oh, wait, Emily Dolenz doesn't have a perfect life like I may have thought. She, she is going through a disability. So maybe she's more like me. And as we all know, when celebrities in some way connect with a person to be normal uh -huh. and have going through the same thing, it gives, I think, the other person a bit of kind of like, oh, okay, so I'm normal too. And then, okay, I can relate to this person. Um, because I do feel that um, a lot of people might see me as having had a very lovely you know, childhood and I'm dad's daughter and we've gone on tours and... The idea that I could have gone through something like cerebral palsy, and I'm still going through it, I guess, might be inspirational in itself. The idea that looking at the world differently and not assuming that somebody else is just having a best time ever because of a situation. You have to kind of 
dig a bit deeper into a person's life mm -hmm. to realize maybe what they're going through. So anyway, that, yeah, that, that's kind of what I share on my blog. <laughs> I think you're right. We all crave connection with one another and social media especially it's a unique thing it has opened us up to the world and it has isolated us all at the same time and uh, with the false fronts that so many feel they need to put out there mm -hmm. i think that the inspirational blogs and and the sharing that and the realness really really does uh, a lot to heal that so good for you i i am appreciative of that well thank you i'm just trying i guess I'm just trying. <laughs> well that's all I'm we just... are doing right right exactly <laughs> emily many of your photos that you've had in the past especially really emphasize nature and macro photography which i always like a lot what is it that interests you about those subjects in particular well nature as a whole i'm i love being outside i grew up in england and we had some land in our on our property i love just being outdoors and you know flowers and newts and little frogs growing and we have a pet frog and i grew him from a tadpole um <laughs> i i'm loving it i just love nature i think it's very special i think just being on the planet in general is quite a um a special thing so nature is just something that i gravitate towards anyway rather than um, architecture or man-made things. Mm -hmm. The macro thing came about, if I'm really honest, again through my disability, because when I started with, dis um, sorry, started with photography, I realized that, you know, wedding photography, you have to lug around the big equipment. And I was like, well, that really isn't going to happen if I can't afford a, an assistant to do it for me. And then this type of other photography is, you know, fast-paced or there's a lot more other equipment and I I really gravitated towards macro photography because you also get to put your camera down on a table or the floor or the grass and thus you don't get so many um, blurry photos from having to kind of hold the camera with one hand right. so that's kind of where I started again kind of started with limiting myself going I can't be a wedding photographer but actually it grew into a love of mine and I really, really like going closer to subjects. I guess it's my fascination with digging a little deeper into things. I've always loved how nature kind of pops up through man-made things like a dandelion that comes up through the um, sidewalk or something. Mm -hmm. Right. The idea you push through things, juxtapositioning of nature versus man-made things. But so that's kind of where I I'm really fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by giving a different angle on something so simple mm -hmm. that maybe you walk past it every day, but you just don't see that it's very beautiful. And the macro part of it comes in even closer so you can get a different perspective. And that's again into my philosophy of the inspirational part is that everything in life is special. So just take the time, breathe, see the moment and appreciate what's around you rather than just, you know, going kind of through life, not being observant. So it's all of that kind of encompassed into one. <laughs> Great. So I like that. Yes, yes. You talked about your upcoming gallery show, but mm -hmm. you've been doing something else on a public scale, and that is you've been submitting photos to nationalgeographic.com for something they call your shot. 
Yes, yes, yes. And one of those photos recently caught the eye of one of their editors, Joni Schrantz. Can you describe that image and tell us about the feedback that you got from the editor? Absolutely. So Joni was the guest photographer editor for that assignment. National Geographic, your shot is for everyone, anyone who would like to submit their photos to National Geographic. And then they also have these assignments. So the editor, Joni, saw my photograph in the assignment. So the assignment was the gift of life and what the gift of life meant to you. Mm. And so you had to take a photograph and then you also had to describe what the photograph was. And then you, you could have got feedback. You may not have got feedback. It's arbitrarily picked by them, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I chose a photograph of myself. It was a self-portrait of me with my, just a close-up of my face with my right hand kind of coming into the frame. And I called it beautiful as each other. And the sentiment was that I'm coming to terms with my self-portrait, my disability, my vision of myself. And the gift of life is being acknowledgeable of yourself and that you are all beautiful for your uniqueness and your individuality and her comment was just about that she really liked the fact that my story showed that everyone can be beautiful in their own right and that she saw that with the photograph and the caption together it really beautifully told that story of what she was looking for is in the gift of life She also was a part-time nurse, I believe, that worked with people with disabilities. So she really liked the idea that she could relate to the stories of people with disabilities being more than people maybe think they are, and also more than they think themselves are. Like, I think a lot of people with disabilities don't think they're valuable to society or to other people. You know, we all have these pictures of what a woman's supposed to look like, or this person's supposed to look like, or this is how you're supposed to do it. And if you don't do it that way, it can actually make you feel very, you know, degraded or you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. So I tried telling that through that photo and that caption, that story. Otherwise on National Geographic, I am practicing more different style of photography because National Geographic is fabulous at telling stories through photos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm practicing that and that spurred me on, I should say, to do my gallery show. Because once the editor, Joni, did give me feedback, I realized that I could probably take that whole idea, the concepts of self-portraits and my journey to acceptance to a bigger scale. So it's been fabulous being part of it. I absolutely love National Geographic, your shot. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was the launching point for, for your newest approach to your photography. That's excellent. Absolutely. Now... As we mentioned earlier, you have a gallery show coming up in August in Maryland. What are you specifically wanting to do with that show? Well, my hope is that if I can reach some different types of people around the area from every walks of life, not only can I spread the kind of message about accepting your own self, but I hope to be able to display the same gallery show again somewhere else. Uh And I hope that Maybe one day there could be an organization that works with people with disabilities that might want to use me to help take photographs of their mission and display their story for their group, I guess. Uh 
And then it all feeds back into just people knowing more about who I am as an artist. So they really get a connection to my art because I think about it today. If I've got, we all, well, sorry, we all know that we have less kind of spendable income these days. So I would rather spend money on a piece of art if I really knew the artist. Mm -hmm. So I think, I really hope that people who come to see my show really get an understanding of where it comes from, where my art, passion for art comes from, and who I am as a person in relationship to my father and, and also just on my own, in my own right. Mm -hmm. The main point I'm trying to make with my gallery show is to myself, really, to kind of put myself out there as the real me, because I think I've hid behind other people quite a lot in my life. And I haven't really been able to stand alone as being, yes, I'm Emily Doland, I'm an artist. I also have cerebral palsy. And it's a great feeling to kind of almost come out the closet with it in a sense of just, you know, put it all out there, put it on the walls. I am literally putting 10 photos of my own face, <laughs> pretty much, and my own legs and arms that I don't particularly find myself appealing to look at. And I'm putting it out there for the rest of the world to see. And, and being trying to be as honest as I can. And hopefully it means that other people can also start being honest with their own message or their own struggles in life. And we can share a little bit more together about ourselves. And I think in 2017, that's extremely important to kind of maybe not judge people from what you see and just kind of get to know people a little bit better and discover who they are. Overall, your professional life seems to be very full and very fulfilling, but I know that your personal life has undergone a major change as well. Congratulations on your recent wedding. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I was lucky enough to be able to talk to you and your husband, William, at the after party celebrating your dad and your Aunt Coco's show at 54 Below in New York City. and. Like you, your husband is very sweet, and you make an adorable couple, as long as he doesn't come between you and your English chocolate, that is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Do not. Uh, no, he, no, I, he knows there's a line. He knows where the lines are in his house. Yes, I saw it drawn quite clearly when, quite clearly. when, when you, you were handed those stuff. chocolate bars. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. He, he knows not to go there. He absolutely yeah, knows. Yeah. Well, Don't touch well, it. <laughs> now, now that you've trained him well, <laughs> how, how's married life so far? It's absolutely fabulous. So we, we'd we been together for six years before I got married, mm. and we were living together for five of those years. So really, our joke in a sense is that we went home from our wedding, and we were like, so are you putting the dog out, or am I? <laughs> like, who's doing the cleanup? Like, we just went back to normal life. But in a sense, I... I and I guess William also believes that like we do feel a little bit more solid and it's more commitment I guess mm -hmm. to know you're married and for me I just like he's everything to me and our life is everything and like I said we have a frog and fish and our dog and we're building this little life together and to me it's everything I could have ever hoped for and I basically live a fairy tale like I am living the artist dream the married dream I we, and we have fights it's not to say that it's never not fun or anything, but I just love it. I absolutely love being married, and I think it's spectacular. I'm a walking Hallmark card for it. I just absolutely just can't say enough. It's just the partnership. It's the teamwork. It's the, 
working with somebody else and learning about another person's perspective and seeing the world through their eyes and it's just a wonderful experience don't let wonderful. him listen to this he'll get a bit <laughs> um, no, it is absolutely wonderful he's great <laughs> now I want your work to stand on its own but this is something that we ask all of our guests to possibly pick a favorite monkey song and everybody that comes on yep. this show why we do that is to get an idea of what they like and to also play during the interview. So do you have a favorite monkey song? Pleasant Valley Sunday. Really? Now, what is it about that one? I actually think it's because it's the song that we used to... For some reason, I think it's the song that played before we had to go to bed. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> It's the nostalgic one for me. It's, it's, bas it's one of the songs that my dad played at the end of his set. So we were leaving the, the theater or the auditorium or whatever you would like to call it mm -hmm. with our nanny or with my mom or everything to go back to the tour bus to go to sleep. So as I'm leaving and tired and a child, I'm hearing my dad sing that song. I believe that is. That's why like also I'm a believer or stepping stone. Those big ones mean a lot to me because it isn't the song itself it's the feeling i had when i was uh, listening to them for instance those ones at the end of the show which he normally do the big numbers at the end of the show those are the ones that i was falling asleep on a tour bus listening to and for that reason it's it's kind of nostalgic it's for me hearing my dad's music is like it's the same feeling i guess as if you went home and you have the apple pie slice in yeah. the diner you used to the song itself kind of tastes and smells and feels to me like my childhood. Uh -huh. Being backstage does that too. So I like Pleasant Valley Sunday. Thank you, thank you. We're going to do a song by one of our favorite composers. My favorite single we ever put out. Carol King wrote A Pleasant Valley Sunday. <laughs>
I like the song Going Down because I like to try and think I can sing it really fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> you and a lot of people. Yeah. Actually, funny story. My dad used to sing us Beatle tunes when I used to, as lullabies to go to sleep. Uh-huh. And I remember being like five and I was like, Daddy, are you in the Beatles? And he was like, no, Emily, no, <laughs> no, not in the Beatles. Thank you very much. Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You were only waiting moment to rise Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes and learn to see All your life You were only waiting for this moment to be free Blackbird fly This is Mickey Dolan's of the Monkeys, and you're listening to Zilch. <laughs> I like your story much better than your dad's, where he talks about your grandfather singing Caruso in his underwear. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. My dad didn't do anything like that. Thank you. Um, but I, I, I just know all of the songs uh, mean a lot to me, as much as I think that any, um, if you have a parent that is very knowledgeable or known in the community than for their craft of any kind you do grow up knowing about it or feeling nostalgic about that work in particular but yeah like for me pleasant valley sunday for some reason is just something that i just listen to it nowadays i get kind of tears in my eyes from my own childhood because it's yeah nostalgic you know, Emily, as someone who is so interested in such a visual medium as you are with your photography, I was speaking to someone recently about the children of the monkeys. I was thinking what an amazing gift you all have as children of the four monkeys that 
for example, you will have them acting, performing, singing, whatever, what have you, on the Monkey's Blu-ray set in high def, and most of us do not have the blessing of having our grandmother or moms and dad, you know, romping about and mm -hmm. seeing what they were like in their early 20s. Your father's early work is forever now captured in high def, thanks to the folks at Rhino. Like, I think about my grandmother or mother, for example, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have them at the age of 23 in high definition, you know. <laughs> right. You're, you're riding actually, a unicycle. <laughs> yeah, riding a unicycle. Uh, but you're actually, you actually have that. Even though it's, it's your dad playing a character, it's still got to be an amazing thing. Absolutely. That's why I love on going on a tour recently where he has all the playback mm -hmm. on the screen. I don't know if everyone has seen that, but oh, yeah. he has oh, yes. millions of photos of him from childhood. And I do appreciate that, especially coming from England where we had even less, I think, technology. But yeah, I know that without him having been in that position, I don't know if we would have had the same amount of pictures taken of him. And there's there's some fantastic shots of him when he was my age and there's a great documentary of him at my age saying how much he likes photography and it's just an incredible thing to have yeah as you said record of my own father and sometimes my own uh, my grandparents as well mm -hmm. that I don't yeah like you said don't, I don't think everyone in my age group has that of their own parents or grandparents it's fabulous well, another question that we have, and we ask everybody, this is one of those questions three if you want to cross the bridge or whatnot. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Monkeys TV episode? What sticks out in your mind about the Monkeys on TV? Not really. As much as you might think we have, I've watched a few of the episodes. I'm not sure which episodes I've watched and which ones I haven't. Right. Mainly, I think, probably because we were in England, so it didn't play in England on reruns or anything and when we went to dance house we might have watched a few episodes but I don't have any particular ones I just I know I liked watching them where they all run around and they're silly and they're making faces and yeah, being goofy and all that. yeah we didn't really watch that a lot as a kid we were more into the music and I think that's also because when I was three so in 1986 and 19. Mm -hmm. 89 yeah. we were on the work the tours right. and so for us growing up the monkeys was not a tv show in our minds the monkeys was my dad on stage um, that is fascinating so i know i know that that's a question that lots of people are asking like which one came first but we all know the tv show came first mm -hmm. and the music came second but all i ever saw was my dad on stage singing the monkeys so as a young person like unless my dad had actually shown me the episodes which I think he probably did but for me the music was what my dad did it wasn't the acting part it was the music I know that if that if I were to sit down and say hey here's a tv show I was in my kids would all scatter before the end <laughs> of the 20 minutes or so you know what I mean well, <laughs> I, I think it was yeah it was very unique for us to kind of have that opportunity to see my dad in a tv show and in England, it wasn't, you know, as real. For, we grew up in England, so we didn't grow up around everyone knowing everything about us. Right. Except, obviously, when my dad right. came. I, yeah, I, I think it would have been weird also for me to see my dad in a TV show, because I was like, 
why are you acting so goofy? Um, and I also don't think he was really acting at all. I think that's quite how he is. Quite goofy. Not a lot of, I, think he, I think he literally got hired to be him on a camera. Well, that worked out, you know, and you can get a job doing what you love or, in this case, what you are. So, <laughs> I have to ask a question, though, Emily, since since you brought it up and you said to, to you, The Monkees wasn't a TV show. The Monkees was your dad singing on stage. Was The Monkees a real band? Not originally, no. They were right. four, four strangers that were hired to act in a TV show, to act like a band. And I think, and then they, when it ended, they were like, well, we might as well go on tour and try and, because they would, they did know how to play the instruments, obviously. Uh, I feel like I'm doing my dad's uh, speech now. <laughs> it's really, uh, years of practice. Hold on. Let me get this right. No, it, it, it was them acting first. And the way that my dad describes it also is that nowadays, you know, we see all these different TV shows about doctors or about teachers. They're acting that. So if they became real doctors or teachers, that is what the monkeys did. They were actors and then they became a real band. And that's the way it was. A lot of people do not realize that. A lot of people think that they were musicians that were in a band and then they had a TV show about them. I think that's well, that was my perception because I grew up with the albums from uh, an older sibling and here in the States in the seventies, they started rerunning them in right. syndication. And I thought, Oh my gosh, somebody gave my favorite band a new TV show. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, it is confusing because I think it did, it did happen that way. The monkeys, I think were on the air for like two years, 67 to 69, I think. That's right. Yay, <laughs> I got it right. And it was, you know, a short time, I guess, in some ways. And then the music has been much longer, so it kind of gets wrapped up into the idea that they were the real band. But um, no, in fact, they were not. They were just acting it quite well. <laughs> Very well put. One of the things I'd love to say about your art Within the last year or so, I, I recently purchased one of your photographs. Oh, thank you very much. You're welcome. My wife has a huge crush on one Mickey Dolans. I'm not sure how you feel about that, but... <laughs> uh, well, I charge $10. Yeah. <laughs> about, just, I charge that, especially for my therapy that I have to go through. Ah. <laughs> so, um, it's just, I have layered pricing so if you you know you want to tell me that you like my dad at ten dollars you wanted to marry him it's fifty dollars I mean, you know, the therapy i have to go through to understand that my dad was liked by other people you know mm -hmm. yeah because dads are kind of icky even though you love them to pieces well yeah you don't i mean when i was 13 years old and people would walk up to me playing i wanted to marry your dad and kiss him and everyone, oh, okay great thank you <laughs> That's lovely. Um, that's lovely to hear. Thank you. Have a lovely day. Lovely to meet you. <laughs> well, then there's a lot of people that owe you money. So, right. <laughs> uh, but the uh, piece that I bought, yes. it had your father present day in the forefront mm -hmm. of the photo. And behind him on a screen was him back in like 1967. Yes. And it was such a wonderful shot it was like catching lightning in a bottle right it was just at the right exact moment and it told a story of 
the two different times and it's it's the same person it was just i i could not not purchase it you know what i'm saying i felt oh, compelled and she loved it and uh it was a big hit on christmas morning i'll tell you that so oh excellent i'm so glad <laughs> i definitely want to thank you for that and i want to encourage people to check out any any time you have anything for sale you do some excellent stuff and i'm just telling you as one satisfied customer oh thank you very much please. i loved doing those pieces i loved doing that piece with my dad um it was a nice collaboration from uh, both art both me and my dad and being artists and that was the 50th anniversary tour so i wanted to do something special for that and it was a limited edition piece mm-hmm. but i yeah i loved I love that image, and hopefully my dad and I will also do another one sometime soon. That would be fantastic. The other thing is that I also find it really hilarious that a lot of people when I was growing up would say, like, you look just like your father. And as I was a teenager, I was like, I don't find it very appealing that you've just told me I look like a 55-year-old man. (laughs) Trying not to go for that look, in fact. I'm actually trying very hard not to look like a 50-year-old man, whatever. I was like... People think they're saying the very lovely things and you realize you're like, uh, teenage girl, does she really want to look like her dad at this point? But no, I did. Uh, I, some, I think one of the fans actually came up to me at a convention to tell me that about you should put a jar on the table and charge money for the stories about your dad. And I would never do that. And I don't find it actually that would ever be something I would think would be funny to do but in reality i'm like yeah well i could work i mean if you really want to tell me a really detailed story about how you had posters and you used to like kiss the poster or something you know it could i i could charge for it <laughs> I, was gonna say, I, I would hate to find out what you would charge when you found out that i wrote his name on my headboard when i was about nine and i would i'm gonna I would charge kiss it good night yeah. <laughs> you need therapy for that <laughs> I really do appreciate you coming by and uh, hanging out with us and talking about your work and that band, your TV show that your dad was in and all that stuff. (laughs) Once again, we want to let people know where they can purchase your work and find you on the social media platforms and all that. Okay, so I have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Emily Dolan's Photography. I have a Twitter and Instagram account which are E. Dolenz for Twitter and, and then Emily Dolenz for Instagram. My Etsy store is E. Dolenz Photos. That's where you can buy my photography and my canvas pieces of art. Society6.com slash E. Dolenz is where you can buy my photographs that are on the products, you know, coffee mugs and pillows and every um, bags. And then my blog is edolenz.wordpress.com. For any of that information, if you ever forget any of that information, my Facebook page is very active and I have a lot of um, links to everything on that page for the purchasing purpose of that. And we will link to them in our show notes as well for our listeners to find them. Or if you're seeing the Facebook thread for this episode, all the information's right there as well. That's right. So Emily, is there anything you'd like to say to folks? either about your work or about your philosophy on life, anything that you just want to pass on to? Well, absolutely. I Well, thank you very much for having me on this podcast. And if anything I can do for anybody listening to this podcast is that we need to stop judging people from the outside and maybe listen to see what their stories are 
and realize that we all are actually much more similar than different and we are all going through something. There's always something in a struggle or a limitation that somebody is going through. We all need to come together and help each other go through those limitations and realize that they are all related. They are all ways that we get held back and we all need to help each other push through them and create a better world for the rest of you know whoever's coming next, the children, grandchildren, I guess, because that's what's really important, coming together, building communities, and recognizing that we're all kind of the same. And one other final point would just be, be honest and tell your actual story and don't hide behind things you don't think the world will ever want to hear. From my experiences, when you are honest and you tell your story as raw and as honest as you can, people do respond. People want to hear the good and the bad mm -hmm. um, because that is truly what life is about. If you're lucky enough to be in the Rockville, Maryland area, Friday, August 4th from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., go see The Right Way to Live photography exhibit put on by Emily Dolans and Emily Dolans Photography. Go see it. Once again, check the links in our show notes. Emily, we want to thank you for being on Zilch today. Thank you for dropping by Zilch headquarters. Thank you. It was lovely speaking to you, Emily. I look forward okay. to speaking to you again. And anytime we can ever help you, let us know. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Skies are prettiest editors that you'll ever meet. From Tiger Beat Magazine, Miss Ann Moses. In 1966, teenage girls all over the U.S. wanted to be Ann Moses. Why? She worked for Tiger Beat Magazine, one of the largest teen heartthrob publications in the world. Every month, she took young fans where they wanted to be, right next to their favorite musician or actor. In the late 1960s and early 1970s, Tiger Beat was the source for teens, both girls and boys, to read about their favorite musicians and actors. And Ann Moses was in the center of it all. For years, I told their stories. Now I'm telling mine. From touring with Paul Revere and the Raiders to surviving Mike Nesmith of the Monkees, I went on many adventures, and with every article, I took you, the readers, along for the ride. You get to go behind the scenes and see what a groovy time it was. If you were there with Anne from the beginning, this book is her way of saying thank you. 
you can get Anne Moses' book, Meow, My Groovy Life with Tiger Beats Teen Idols. On Amazon or wherever fine books are sold, you can get the book autographed at annmoses.com for a limited time only. Find her on facebook.com forward slash annmoses. Groovy, man. That's, that's groovy. That's gear. This is Peter Mills. I'm the author of the book The Monkey's Head and the Sixties, and you're listening to Zilch, a podcast full of monkeys. And right now we welcome to the show author Peter Mills. Hello, sir. Welcome to Zilch. Thank you very much. Hello, Kim. Glad to have you back on. And I know that Christine and myself, we really love your book. And we had you on the show. And a lot of people really interacted when we talk about your book. It was almost a bit of an internet sensation, if you will. It was it was a great interview. You did fantastic. What was the response that you got from the Zilch listeners? Well, I was very happy to spend all that time talking to you, Ken. It was a very thorough and very interesting interview. I kind of forgot that we were, were, it was kind of a formal interview in the end because it was, you know, we were getting so deep into it. Nothing but kindness and lovely comments and friendliness. That's, that was the response that, that I was aware of anyway from the Zilch Nation to the interview and, and also to, to the book in general. So it was it was wonderful and kind of beyond a dream, really, to, to have all these people who know what they're talking about saying such lovely things about the book. Uh-huh. It's, it's the best, right? It always is great to find another pocket of people who share a passion and can speak intelligently about it and, and kind of geek out together, right? <laughs> yeah well that's a fact i mean it's you know it, it it's a rare treat i mean this this is probably your experience as well uh, before doing before doing the show of course that it's it, people who'd seen the movie let alone had an opinion on it were few and far between uh-huh. right now christine you you headed up our book discussion thread about it and you you were kind of like the gardener of it you kept the discussion going and went right. through each chapter Peter, what was that like, seeing a live book discussion? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was terrifying. That's the first thing. It was kind of real-time dissection. But it was also, as I say, extremely flattering. And what happened was that I learned loads and loads of things because people have different angles on it, people have different points of view on it, people obviously noticed stuff that, that I'd missed, or there were certain things which were opaque to a British writer, which were clear to an American reader. So lots and lots of little details, which I'd either missed or misconstrued, were clarified by what people were saying. So I found it a very sort of interesting and kind of educative experience, really, in all sorts of ways. So it was wonderful, wonderful to see it. 
I had a lot of fun doing it, although it was nerve-wracking for me, too, Peter. Um, I It drew on my former school teacher self uh-huh. because I felt an obligation to treat the material with the respect that I felt it deserved. I wanted to facilitate a really good conversation, and I was very pleased with the responses that we did get. And I'll kind of mirror what you said. It was interesting to me. First of all, I couldn't express myself very well, a very much because it, as the role of facilitator, I was trying to be as neutral as possible. But for all of the insight that you may have gained as a British author hearing and reading an American audience's responses, as a, an American reader to a British author, I was uh, intrigued by the different perspective that you were able to bring to the material and and to the experience of the monkeydom uh, in that time period. So I want to thank you for uh, for writing the book and for um, for coming on to Zilch and kind of bringing it into our purview. So thank you. Oh well, you're very welcome. It's it, it, it's a great pleasure. I think I think that kind of that idea of exchange of information exchange of ideas exchange of context actually is is one of one of the the great things that's kind of come out of the whole experience of writing and publishing the book when i was writing it i didn't necessarily anticipate oh here i am in in england writing about something which is primarily an american phenomenon mm-hmm. that, that may have a sort of a, a stronger appeal to an american readership i didn't really think of it that way but now it seems kind of clear that the very nature of the project, the TV show, the movie, that it's awash with kind of pop cultural references, some mm-hmm. of which, you know, cross all borders, but some of which are very specific. Like just a, one that stuck in my mind from the book club discussion was Monkeys Get Out More Dirt, the title of that episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because I do a little thing on that episode in the book because it's one of my favourites. Of course... It's, it's from an American advertising slogan, which I didn't know about. Rinso, is that right? Rinso gets out more dirt. <laughs> I right? can't remember. Honestly, I can't Somebody remember the product that, yeah. name, but that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, little, little details like that. They're just they're gorgeous little nuggets of information like that. It's it's that, that sense of sort of exchange. And I hope people found it interesting, you know, the insights into you know what the the north of england was like in the 1960s and what it's like now and you know where davy grew up and the whole kind of british theater scene and all that kind of stuff i know Uh, i did yeah great great good good It's just amazing, just as you were reading along in the Zilch Book Club discussion of your book, The Monkey's Head and the 60s, you never know who's actually paying attention to things, right? Mm. For example, I understand you got a communique from somebody that <laughs> took you a bit by surprise. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Would, um, you, would you like to share I, that with us? Yeah, I'd be very happy to. I was sitting minding my own business one morning and uh, an email pinged into my inbox 
from a publisher actually, uh, Jawbone Books in London, and they had forwarded a message which had kind of come via the American office through to London, and then they'd sent it up to me. It was from Bob Rafelson. Everybody knows this feeling, don't they? When they when they they get a message and you're reading the first couple of lines, and you suddenly start thinking, well, where's this going? And it's saying, oh, look at the message below, and you know, make sure you're sitting down when you read it, and so on. And then I. I sort of scroll down. You know, sometimes you scroll down a bit too fast, don't you, in your enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And it got to the bottom of the message, and there was his name at the bottom of the message. So I didn't know what to make of this. So I crept back up to the top of the message, read through it, and with each succeeding line, you know, I, uh, I don't know, I probably left the ground just sort of six inches a foot every, <laughs> every line. Um, because it was... It was uh, extraordinarily complimentary about the book. So I, I spent most of the rest of the morning rereading it, actually, just to make sure I hadn't, you know, missed missed a twist somewhere. But no, it was it was uh, it was from him, and it was complimentary in the most glowing terms about the book. And so we're talking about not just a one or two line message of "Hey, read your book, it's great," or "Really liked it." He really delved into some things, didn't he? Yes, he did. He did. I've had um, two or three messages from him now, but this first one, yes, is about oh, about a page and a half. Oh my! Talking about it, a lot of it, the, the message actually as well, strangely enough, was nothing to do with the book at all. Apparently, he knows Leeds, which is the city where I live, because a friend of his used to live just outside the city in a very uh, nice village just outside the city. And apparently Bob Rafelson used to come and visit this uh, friend of his oh. in the 70s and the 80s. So he amazingly is quite conversant with the, the urban geography <laughs> of Leeds, <laughs> which is kind of amazing because usually if people know Leeds, you know, they associate it with the who or something, you know, and oh, say, oh, right. it's that place. But turns out he has a, a personal connection or two with, with the city. So He, he knows he, it intimately, he, yeah. Yeah, so he, I think he enjoyed the, the coincidence well, Peter, you kind of framed it. You said something to the effect of, you know, when you get an email. Well, I know when I get an email, but I've never received an email from Bob Rafelson, <laughs> the creator of The Monkeys and the Director. No, of no, that, that, that wasn't, no, I have to say that that was a first. Well, you know, I mentioned that one never knows who's paying attention. It, it's not mm -hmm. just Bob Rafelson, but could you share who else was in on this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Nesmith has said that if there was a magic trick in Head, it was Jack Nicholson. And if there's a magic trick, apart from the, 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 the miracle of its very existence of this, these messages, the magic trick, at least initially, was Jack Nicholson. Uh -huh. Because, as it turned out, it was Jack Nicholson who acquired the book somehow. I don't know if somebody gave it to him or he found his way to it himself. But he was so enthused about the book that apparently he called Bob Rafelson and read bits down the phone to him. Wow. And that's, that's how incredible. Bob Rafelson found out about the book. And then uh, Bob said then he went straight off and got it on his Kindle uh, <laughs> once the call was over. So, you know, by this by this time I was calling for oxygen and smelling salts <laughs> when I read that bit. You know, that was it for the rest of the day. Wow. So that's kind of that's 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 something, isn't it? Really, mm -hmm. it is. I have to I have to acknowledge and admit that is something. Absolutely. Very... 
Is it okay with you if I read uh, his review? Sure, go ahead. All right. Now, this is from Bob Rafelson's review. Jack Nicholson actually brought the book to my attention. Since neither of us are inclined to read books talking about ourselves, or for that matter about the movie world, I was surprised with this one. Peter Mills began as a musician, so his appreciation of the monkeys both as a phenomenon and a critic is well-founded. The monkeys' history is astonishing. As for head, no one has ever so thoughtfully elaborated on its meaning. The movie is elusive, but not to him or anyone who reads the book, and that includes me. Bob Rafelson, creator of the monkeys, slash director of head. That is one hell of a review to have in your utility belt, sir. It is indeed, yeah. That That's an endorsement. That's with a crown on it. You can um, pitch yourself so... if you need to. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> pitch. Yeah, every time I look at it, I think, let me just go back and make sure he's not saying something else. Um, yeah. It's it's phenomenal, isn't it? It's it's so flattering and it's it's so kind of him to do it. As he says, you know, you can imagine, can't you, that, that it's um, not something that uh, he spends a great deal of time doing, sort of, you know, keeping up with what people are writing about. So just the, the very fact that it caught their attention in the first place is... Absolutely. Uh, it's tremendous enough, but for them to have enthused about it together, it's, it is, it is. it's kind of, it's psychedelic, in fact, that's what it is. It's like I've gone off the bridge and I don't know what's going to happen, or it's I hit a, the water. It's a trip, man. It is a Gravy. trip. Gravy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did you see where they recently had a screening of Head? Yes, I, I, did, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. At I the, saw there was a bit of a little flurry of activity, wasn't there, around the promotion of it and the, um, the the enthusiastic recommendation of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which always has my support. So yeah, so getting it out into the cinemas, getting people to see it, getting people to think about it, uh, getting people to catch up with it in every sense, I think is it's a great it's it, it's great and you know it's to be encouraged. And of course, Sharon Munson was there uh, from Zilch. She was yeah. She was there handing out pins and everything, and there was an actual uh, podcast that was recorded about it. Have you heard that yet? I haven't heard it yet. Oh, well, but we will I, send I, you the I, link. I've got the link to it, and it's on my to-do list. Oh, excellent. It's, yeah, it's a great podcast. I think you'll get a kick out of it. And okay, it's great brilliant. to see Head, both the movie, the album, and, and the whole experience getting love in a way that it's never really gotten up till this point. And I'm so glad that it's finally released whether it's the Criterion set that someone has or the Monkeys uh, Complete Series Blu-ray box, it's the same cut, but it's it looks so great, and I'm glad that we have this in this quality now. This uh, yeah, it certainly makes yeah. your job a lot easier as far as uh, someone who actually teaches this in his classroom, right? Yes, it it, it does. <laughs> I mean, when I first began teaching it, oh, about 15 years ago. I had a, I think it might have been a, a, a sell through VHS actually the first time oh. that I used it. But yeah, the, the DVD, because I mean, not only is, you know, the, the bonanza of extra material and contextual material that you get, mm-hmm. but just the quality of it and also um, the ease with which you can uh, scrutinize certain scenes, certain aspects of it, you know, whether it's uh, the, the Kineholds car in Mike's birthday party scene, you know, you can stop and you can look at it. Or whether it's the the techniques Rafelson used for you know the fine cutting in say Daddy's song, 
or Peter's famous maxim, nobody ever lends money to a sense, man with a sense of humour, he's walking out of the, the bathroom, you know, all those kind of details that really actually the work, the labour, the inspiration that went into them, uh-huh. really, it all happens too fast in a way. Very uh-huh. um, so right. So the, the set of new mediating t- technologies that we've got now that allow us to control the speed at which is coming at us are is gradually kind of revealing secrets within this movie, I think. Right. The technology is catching up with the movie. I guess that's what I'm saying. Bit Very by much. bit. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, good it's point. True. Good point. I, I know that I would love to be, if, if not an actual student in your classroom, at least a fly on the wall. I would love to be able to just witness your students' responses and uh, reactions to, to seeing mm-hmm. that for the first time. That's got to be a trip. Have you noticed a change in your students as far as their knowledge before coming into the class about it? Or is it kind of holding steady? Or what's that been like? That's an interesting question, actually. They generally, I think that they're more familiar with the with the film. At least, the, the, you know, they've kind of heard of it. And it, it, it the group and the whole project requires less kind of contextual introduction than it once did. The monkeys, as as a as a group and as a phenomenon, have had a higher profile over the last, say, eighteen months. Right, than, right. Than previously, you know, for for all the obvious reasons. Um, as as far as my students are concerned, there's no way around it. I always I always say to them, nobody gets to pass this module without seeing head, and um, they all sort of laugh, think I'm joking, but of course <laughs> I'm not. The last two years, actually, we've managed to screen the film in, quote-unquote, a proper cinema rather than one of the university theatres. Leeds is very lucky in that it has a great film festival every autumn. So it was part of that film festival a couple of years ago, and it did so well, actually, at that screening. It was completely sold out, and loads of people turned up on the night. had to be turned away because it was in quite a small room. Um, So they booked it again for the following year, in a much bigger cinema, uh, which also sold out, actually. I mean, these were ostensibly sort of screenings as part of the course, you know, which ordinarily I would have just done with with the students in in one of the university Mm theatres. But just to kind of make it more interesting and to make use, you know, kind of connections out into the city and to make the movie accessible to people who wanted to see it. The difference being, of course, seeing on the big screen and, and just seeing it on your TV or on your... laptop monitor or whatever it's all the difference in the world really those screenings i think you know have have kind of uh, done something for the film locally anyway although having said that the the both times that we've we've screened it people have come up to me afterwards and say oh well i've traveled from the guy last year from lancaster uh, which uh, in american terms is is close but it's it's about 100 miles away so that's a fair distance to travel uh, to see Mm -hmm. a film Mm mm-hmm he said, oh, I've been waiting to see this film since 1969. Wow. I said, well, you, can, you can buy it on DVD. He said, no, 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 I mean in the cinema. I said, oh, yeah, great, great, fantastic. Was it worth it? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, well, that kind of thing, it, it's tremendously gratifying. And it shows that people are, are interested in there's something in this movie that draws people in and makes them want to, you know, find out what, you know, what's going on. Absolutely. I, I know I would love the opportunity to... Um, experience a proper screening in in the theater um not only for the sound and the visual but the communal mm. experience as well 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very special. Good for you for for pulling that off a couple of years in a row and having it grow. I hope uh, hope it continues for you. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just I, I approached the film festival and the guy who runs it is is a fan of the film, so mm. that that was just a stroke of luck, really. That helps, doesn't it? <laughs> it sure does. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you for coming on the show today. And we wish you continued success with the book, The Monkey's Head and the Sixties by Peter Mills. It is an excellent read, and we want to thank you for being part of Zilch. Seriously, I really well, appreciate it. It's my it. pleasure, Ken. Thank you very much indeed. And good luck, and long may you run. Well, ah, thank you very much. <laughs> three years and counting, so we're, we're, we've got our eyes towards yes, the future. Yes, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely wonderful. And we plan on having you back to discuss Head several times so. <laughs> I can go on for days and days and days as my students would tell you <laughs> or anybody who's read the book can tell yeah. <laughs> well when you've got people like Jack Nicholson Bob Rafelson and Ken Mills reading your book boy you know you've hit it so that's right the big three <laughs> big time yep now let's talk about getting Bob Rafelson on the show do you think you could maybe just slip a, a, you know our email to him and well, there's no harm in asking, is there? <laughs> <laughs> well, if if you can make anything happen along those lines, that would be super cool. All right. I'll, but, I'll come over to Leeds and give you a hug if you do that, okay? <laughs> okay. Well, there's an incentive. Hands deliver a zilch pin to you, okay? Yeah, a badge. A badge. Button goes international. <laughs> Once it crosses the waters, it stops being a button and it's a badge. That's or a pin, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. All righty. So, yeah, just uh, let him know about our silly little podcast, and we'd love to have him on. And I, okay. I'm i very professional, and I don't bite. <laughs> I can confirm that, can't I? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you once again. Thanks very much for having me on, and it, it, it's a pleasure to speak to you both. like to thank you for listening to this episode of zilch and if you are lucky enough to find a case of the monkey's banana nut soda let us know what you think about it (laughs) and join us on the next episode of zilch we have so much cool stuff coming up coming up soon the head album roundtable discussion so much requested uh, episode so coming soon plus you never know who's going to be dropping by uh, i know that the more of the monkeys big box set is coming out soon so the the big handmade set that's going to be exciting and wouldn't yep. that be something if we uh, heard from somebody about that that would be something so we will see you on the next episode of your podcast full of monkeys zilch see ya bye and that's our show Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. Don't now.
Now, really, everybody cool it, because I won't be able to get through this. Action. Hey, wow. It's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. Gee, that's a neat button. What does it say? Let's go again. And we welcome to. Oh, I gotta make sure my microphone's near my face. <laughs> uh, thank you, Christine, for everything that you've done in this. Uh, you did a good job. Yeah. This you. this is her first interview, by the way. Oh, really? You did yeah. wonderfully. Thank wonderfully. you. I, I'm the one that usually runs their mouth all of the time. I would have never guessed this was your first one. You did wonderfully well. Thank you very much. <laughs> you notice she didn't well, say. You notice she didn't say. I never would have guessed that that you don't run your mouth. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know she that. I did. She she met me in New York. She knows how I run my mouth. That's a. Boy, this smoking a carton of cigarettes a day. It's just not for a person. No, I I, I, I honestly don't smoke. Now. I just. I, <laughs> that's just me having a giggle. Uh, <laughs> And of course, we want folks to also know that we have our Zilch Podcast shirts available through Redbubble, and you can get tote bags, you can get all sorts of things. And there's even the Be a Hero, the the you know the one with the it's red and it's got the big M on it and all that. You know, you can be a hero with that shirt. But it helps uh, you fly. well, actually, it doesn't help you fly. You, that's dependent oh, on you. It's just me. Yeah, you have to be able to fly by yourself but you can be a hero in that shirt at all as well and we will put links in the show hold on let me Redbubble is rad man yeah and of course we want to remind folks that if you want to share some zilch love shirts are available at redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash designs by Ken one word so do a search for Designs by Ken, and you will find them. For those of you that aren't on the Facebook page or don't check the show notes, but the, it's out there, and it's always cool to see Zilch listeners wearing Zilch gear. And it's got an animated drawing of four of our beloved favorite people from that wonderful TV show slash band. And, of course, you can get those red shirts with the big M on them. So, And, uh, you know, I, I have to point out once again that just because you get one of those shirts, you, you, you can be a hero, but it doesn't actually give you the power of flight. So, Darn. Yeah, if only. So right. wanna... They make me feel like I'm flying, though, so that's just as good. So, and now it's time to get on with the... And now for the main part of our show... I've just spent 15 minutes recording nothing. So. <laughs> An out-of-body experience. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. 